0: It is my great honor to be with all of you this evening in this holy place on the bank of our sacred Mother Ganga, in the Himalayas, in the presence of these great saints. My special gratitude to you, Parampuja Chidananda Saraswati Muniji Maharaj, for bringing us all together again. And my special gratitude to each and every one of you who have come from all parts of the world on this sacred pilgrimage. I was asked to speak something about bhakti the yoga of love. There is a verse in Srimad Bhagavatam that very much um, personifies the Bhav or the spirit of those in the path of bhakti. There are many types of dharma. Sometimes dharma is translated as occupation, our natural propensities, religion, spirituality. This verse tells us that the supreme dharma is that which brings about an awakening, awakening of our greatest potential, the very essence of our being, which is loving devotional service to the Supreme Truth. That love must be unmotivated by any selfishness, by any egoism, And uninterrupted by any situation that may come before us in life, then only can our love completely satisfy the self. The Brahma Sutra tells Ananda Mayobhyasat that we are all by nature seeking pleasure. from the little ant in your kitchen in Mumbai to the rats that sometimes come in your kitchen, to the great presidents and the devas, everyone is seeking pleasure. Why? Because it is our inherent nature to have the experience of ananda, which means transcendental ecstasy. That's what we are always seeking. But what is the origin of that need for pleasure? It is said that in a cultured society, people love people. And we use things. But all too much in the world we live in today, people love things. And they use people to get them and to keep them. Things could give some fleeting pleasure to the physical senses in the mind. But they cannot touch the heart there's only one thing that can give satisfaction to the heart. That is to love and to be loved. And the origin of that experience is the Atma, the eternal soul's natural love for the Supreme Soul, the Paramatma, who we call Krishna, the all-attractive one to experience the infinite, unlimited love of God, to be an instrument of that love, is where the heart could find its real pleasure. There's a n- simple analogy of a bird in a cage. And the owner is so preoccupied decorating, cleaning, and making the cage a nice place that he forgets about the bird inside. The bird is starving. Or like so often in my travels in the world, I see little girls who are dressed very nicely, and have all sorts of toys and other things. But the parents have no time to give her the love that she craves. So preoccupied with the externals, they don't know the needs. So the little girl, she looks pretty, but she lives in misery. Bhakti is the process of reconnecting with that energy of divine love that is inherent within all of us. To actually experience the love of God. There's a beautiful verse. (inaudible) Atapumbir dvijastreshtas. Varana Shrama Dasya Dharmasya Haditoshanam. What is success? From a spiritual perspective, from the Bhakti perspective, success is not how many degrees we get in college, how much money we earn, how many followers we have, how many supernatural powers we acquire. Real success is whatever we do, whatever we say, whatever we think. It is an offering of love that pleases the Supreme Lord. Hanuman. He had incredible supernatural yogic powers. Lord Ram Asked Hanuman, please give my message and my ring to Sita. Find her. In this regard, connected to this drama, Sita is the Shakti, the Ladini Shakti, the love potency of Ram. She was born from the earth. And at the end of her leela, she entered back into the earth to show the world that Mother Earth, or Bhumi, is the Lord's consort. In bhakti, we cannot separate giving honor, respect, and love to nature from pleasing Krishna. In the Gita, Krishna tells, I am the source of all material and spiritual worlds. Everything emanates from me. The wise who know this perfect engage in my loving service and worship me with all their hearts. Ravana, who is like those dancing people with the capes that we saw, they wanted to exploit Sita, to exploit the energy of Ram. But Hanuman, Hanuman, Hanuman wanted to return Sita to her supreme glory in harmony with Rome. He jumped across an ocean 800 miles wide. And then when he arrived in the island of Sri Lanka, he made himself very small. How many of us could do that? And at night, he was looking through all the palaces, seeing everything, trying to find Sita. And when he found her, he gave her the message. He pacified her heart and gave her the ring of Shriram. But then he wanted to do some more seva. So he started tearing down the trees of the Ashokvan, Ravana's favorite garden. And Ravana sent his greatest militaries, and Hanuman was defeating them. And by his own sweet will, he was willing to be captured and stood before Ravana, very bold. Here he was, all alone, tied up so he couldn't even move. And the most powerful warriors of the creation were all standing around him with supernatural weapons. And Ravana was face to face and Hanuman told Ravana you are a coward. You have stolen the property of God to exploit for your own selfish purposes. Release her or you will be destroyed with your whole dynasty. Ravana was so insulted, kill this monkey But his brother, Vibhishan, who was a great soul, he said, according to the codes of military, Chacharya, you cannot kill a messenger. You could punish, but you cannot kill. Then light his tail on fire. Monkeys are proud of their tails. So they took Hanumanji's tail and wrapped it with all sorts of flammable cloth and saturated it in flammable oils and lit it on fire. The fire was blazing and Hanuman was all tied up. What was Hanuman thinking? He wasn't thinking, this hurts. He wasn't thinking, I may die. He was thinking, in this situation, how can I serve? Whether I live, whether I die, how could I serve? How could I please my beloved? So he expanded himself. And then he made himself thinner. And he slipped out of the ropes and jumped to the rooftop and touched his tail. And the whole palace went into flames. Then he jumped to the next roof and the next roof and the next. And soon... A majority of Sri Lanka was blazing on fire and nobody could do anything about it and he was happily jumping from rooftop to rooftop. And when Sita heard what Hanuman was doing in her service, she prayed to Agni, the god of fire, that Hanuman is risking his life and enduring the greatest difficulties for me. Give me this blessing that the fire that you are manifesting on his tail, let it be very cool and refreshing and comfortable for him." And as Hanuman's tail was blazing, he felt a very, very cooling sensation. And he knew immediately it was Sita's prayer. Then he jumped in the ocean after giving Ravana one loud last message. He returned to Kishkindha Even today, it is called Hampi. There's a mountain called Malayavanta or Prashravana. And in that mountain top, there's a cave. In the cave, there's an ancient Murti or deity of Ram Large Stone Morty. And there is Ram. In one hand he has a mala, beads for his chanting, and his other hand he's touching his heart. Which represents during that time many months, four months Ram was living in that cave. He was constantly chanting Sita's name and meditating upon her in his heart. This is how the Lord loves his devotee. And this is how the Lord loves Mother Nature, who is a manifestation of Sita. Hanuman finally returned and explained the whole story to Ram. Not only the whole story, but he gave Ram Sita's message of love. At that time, Sri Ram was so emotional. Although he's Parameshwar, the supreme controller of all controllers, he cried with gratitude, with affection. And with a choked voice, he spoke to Hanumanji. He said, I'm living in the forest. I have nothing to give you. What you have done for me, how much you have risked for me, your love for me, how much pleasure and relief you gave to my beloved Sita. The only thing I have to give you is myself. I am your property. And in that spirit, Ram embraced Hanuman. In the arms of Hanuman, being bathed by the tears of Ram, and Ram being bathed by the tears of Hanumanji. Samsidosha. That was the success the fulfillment of Hanumanji's whole existence is out of love. He was giving pleasure to his beloved. Krishna tells in the Gita, even if you offer a fruit, a flower, a little water or a leaf with love, with devotion, I will accept it. There's a beautiful story. Soon after this, they were building a bridge that 800 miles across the ocean. And everyone, according to their capacity, was participating. Hanumanji was so strong, he could literally lift mountains and mountain peaks. He could just tear right off miles and miles wide and put them on the ocean. And they were all floating. And while he was lifting, about to put down this mountain peak, there was a little spider. Now what is the strength of the legs of a spider? He was just kicking some grains of sand to make some contribution. But he was standing right before Hanuman. Hanuman said to the spider, move. And the same Lord Ram, who embraced Hanuman, bathed him with his tears and gave him his own self, he chastised Hanuman. Love comes in many forms. He said, Hanuman, you are doing all you can do to serve me and this little spider is doing all she could do to please me. I see them, you and the spider, completely equal. My Guru Maharaj, Srila Prabhupada, used to say that that our beloved Lord does not see the things that we offer. Because Sarva loka Krishna tells in Gita, he's already the proprietor of everything that exists and the source of everything that exists. But the Lord accepts our intention, our love, our devotion, our compassion our willingness to please. And Bhakta Vatsal, he's willing to be conquered by that love, although he is unconquerable. Later on, when Sita was reunited with Ram, one day Hanuman happened to see Sita Devi Putting this red powder on the part in the center between her, her hair. Called Sindhur. And Hanuman's a Brahmachari. He's a celibate. He asked Sita, why are you putting that red between in your hair? And she smiled and said, because it pleases Ram. It's a sign of showing our chastity to our beloved. So the next day, Sita and Ram happened to see Hanuman from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet were completely covered with a thick layer of that sindoor, that red liquid powder. All you could see is his eyes. Everything else was red. They said, Hanuman, what are you doing? And Hanuman told Ram, well, Sita said that putting it here on your head is pleasing to you, so I want to please you so much I covered my whole body with it. This is Hanuman's yoga. (laughs) Adhari Haritoshanam. To give pleasure. That is love. In the Srimad Bhagavatam, I'd like to just tell one literal story of how a tiny boy attained that love. His name was Dhruva. He was only five years old. He was the son of a king. The king, Uttanapada, had two wives. And he was very deeply attached to Dhruva's stepmother. So one day, the king was sitting on the throne, and with the stepbrother of Druva, on his lap. And Druva saw his father like that, and he loved his father. A little boy like this wants the recognition and the affection of the father. So he was so excited. I'm going to sit on the throne with my father, with my little brother. And Druva came running and running with such anticipation and went with, just began to climb on his father's lap when the stepmother, Saruchi, Scolded. You have no right to sit on the throne of your father because you were not born of my womb. You were born of an inferior woman. If ever you want to be elevated to that throne, you should worship the Supreme Lord so that you could take your next birth in my womb. That shattered Truva's heart. Five-year-old boy, he doesn't have so much power to reason or philosophically try to digest this type of crisis. The only thing he could do is helplessly, desperately look up at his father for recognition. But his father looked away and ignored Druva. When he needed that support the most, he was neglected. His heart shattered in thousands of pieces. His lips were trembling, his eyes were weeping, and he ran, ran to his mother, suniti when suniti saw her son in this condition unable to even talk weeping crying some of the ladies from the palace told her what happened it's explained that suniti was beautiful like a lotus but seeing her son suffering like this She wilted. She withered. She cried incessantly and said, Drova, there's nothing I can do. Your father doesn't love me. But Drova, please listen carefully. Never, ever wish anything bad for anyone. Even if someone hurts you, forgive them. Because if you hold a grudge, if you feel bad toward anyone, for any person, wish them bad, that that will only destroy you. But what your stepmother said is good. If you worship the Supreme Lord, He will fulfill your desires. She wasn't expecting what Druva was about to do. He immediately ran from the palace, ran from the kingdom and entered into the forest. Because he had heard that great yogis go to the forest to find the Supreme Lord, Bhagavan. He went deeper and deeper. It is said, by the mercy of Krishna, one gets Guru. By the mercy of Guru, one gets Krishna. It's not that we can find our Guru. But yegata mam prapadyante tamstata evapajam According to our will, according to our surrender, the Lord reciprocates. And Ishwara Saravabhuta Namariteshya Our beloved Lord is within our heart. And He directs us, He guides us. So here's little Dhruva, five years old. He's never lived in any way except the most opulent wealth of the king's palace, and now he's all alone in the forest. Tigers, lions, snakes, cold heat, mosquitoes. But he didn't care. Drita Vrata, because he had such determination, I must find my god. When we have that determination, mystically, so many doors open, satsang, the association of saintly people, help us to actually awaken that determination, that focus on the real purpose of life. Compared to Druva, Anyways, that was orchestrated just to wake you up. Thank you for your compassion upon me. It's wonderful. So much of you are praying for me and showing compassion upon me. i the best part of the lecture for me. Where was I? <laughs> Truffle's in the forest. So he had that one pointed desire for self realization. And then the doors open. And Bhagavan himself sent Narada Muni. Otherwise, it's not that Narada Muni just happened to be walking around in the forest at that moment. And Narada Muni first tested Druva. He said, you're just a little boy. Why are you so concerned about a little insult? Just go home and play and study. And little Druva said to Narada, who is the greatest of Rishis, he said, I have come here to find God. I've been so hurt. I have been so wounded that even though you're speaking nice philosophy, it doesn't sit in my heart. I must find God. I want revenge. I want to show my father and his wife. I want a kinger. I want a kingdom greater than my father and greater than my grandfather. That was his wish. So Narada Muni taught him the path of yoga. He taught him asadas. He taught him a mantra. Om Namo Bhagavate Vāsudevāya. He taught him how to make a little form of Vishnu out of the mud and offer flowers and devotion. He taught him how to meditate on the Lord within his own heart. And he told him to go to a very lonely forest called Madhuban on the banks of the holy river Yamuna. Dhruva went. He was all alone. First he was just eating some kapita, which is the little fruits that monkeys eat. And then after some time he stopped eating them he was just eating the dry leaves that fell to the ground and after that he was only drinking a little water. And after several months, Druva, he was standing in an asana on one toe. And his body was as immovable as a pillar. First he was just breathing and then he gave up even breathing. Why? So that his absolute and total focus of his consciousness of his body, mind, words and soul were meditating on the form of Vishnu, Narayan, in his heart. And that Narayan appeared to him within his heart. And Dhruva was in the ecstasy of love. Suddenly, that form disappeared from within. And Dhruva was so much shaken in vipralamba in separation, that his whole meditation was shaken. And he opened his eyes. And before him, that same form of Narayan that was within his heart was standing physically. Dhruva wanted to offer prayers of love. But he was so young, he never went to school. He didn't know prayers. But the Lord, Krishna tells in Gita, I'm the intelligence of the intelligence. I'm the ability in people. I'm the strength of people. The Lord touched him on the head and empowered him to speak what he was feeling in eloquent Sanskrit verses. Then Lord Narayan told little Druva, I will give you any benediction. I will fulfill whatever desire you have. Anything, just ask. Little Druva said, I don't want anything. I'm seeing you. You've accepted my love. I'm feeling your love. There's nothing else. I could give you liberation. I could give you all mystic cities. I could give you what you came for. I could give you a kingdom greater than your father or your grandfather. Just ask. Little Druva replied, I came looking for the broken pieces of glass in the form of power and wealth and prestige. But you've given me the precious jewel of your love. I only want to serve you with love unconditionally, eternally. He was given that benediction. But the Lord told Dhruva, you should go back to your home. You're a great yogi. You have no material desires whatsoever, but you should become the king and utilize whatever you have In a spirit of bhakti or devotion. So little Dhruva went home. Meanwhile, his father and his mothers were in so much anguish. Uttanapada, the king, was blaming himself for his son going to the forest where nobody could find him. And when he did come home, soon after Dhruva was made the king. But he had such humility, such tolerance, such forgiveness. With great love and compassion, he forgave his stepmother and treated her as his own mother with the same respect and affection. He ruled his kingdom in such a way that he felt himself to be the servant of everyone. Like a father serves the children or mother serves the children, he considered on behalf of God, who is the supreme father and mother of everyone, Vishnu, Lakshmi, it is my duty to protect their children. It is my duty to protect their property. And he ruled the world for many years. And eventually he turned over the kingdom to his own son and went to Badrinath. Badrikashram. He passed through Rishikesh on the way. <laughs> That's why I'm telling the story, actually. <laughs> He was here en route to Badrinath. And there in those days there were you couldn't drive. <laughs> in those days Badrinath was the place where Badri Narayan and Badri Vishal were performing their Leela and Dhuva Maharaj. Only the greatest, most renowned sages, Rishis and Yogis were living there. And he lived among them. Constantly chanting the names of the Lord and meditating on the Lord and offering seva to the Lord. And ultimately, an airplane came from Vaikuntha, the spiritual world. And there were two beautiful spiritual personalities on that airplane. And they told Dhruva, we have come to bring you back to the spiritual world, the ultimate perfection beyond birth and death. Come. Narayan has sent us for you. Dhruva was now an elderly man. He could have just looked at all the other yogis and rishis around and saying, well, you know, go on doing, doing your practices, I've attained perfection." No. Druva went to each and every yogi and bowed at their feet and served them and asked for their blessings and permission to go. And from their heart of hearts they gave blessings. This is a science if you just ask a great personality for blessings, you're not going to get too much. But if you please the great souls in such a way that they're really happy with you, then Bhagavan's blessings flows through them incessantly toward us. So he received all of their blessings. And then it is said, death personified came before Dhruva and put his head as the step for Dhruva to go on the plane to show that he had conquered death forever. Now for me, what I'm about to say is the best part of the whole story. May I tell? Dhruva was on the plane. And he was thinking, long, many, many years ago, it was my mother who put me on the spiritual path. How could I go back to the spiritual world without her? Whatever I have, I owe to her. This is the nature of the heart of an enlightened person. Gratitude. When we have ahankar, false ego, infatuated pride, we can't really be grateful to anyone. But a humble heart is deeply grateful for anyone and everyone who has ever helped us in any way. And he was just thinking about his mother. And the spiritual personalities who were about to transport him said, Dhruva, we know what you're thinking. Look up there. And he looked up, and he saw an identical airplane. It wasn't the kind of airplane that I came to Rishikesh. These are celestial, spiritual planes. And he saw there his mother. In the seventh canto of the Bhagavatam, there was another little five-year-old boy named Prahlad. And in that story, the Supreme Lord tells Prahlad that anyone who surrenders to me with love, I promise, 21 generations of all their family and relatives, I will give them liberation. sarva-dharman-parityasya mamikam-sharanam-praja aham-tvam-sarva-papivyo moksha-ishami-masuja Krishna tells in the Gita abandon all other varieties of dharma and surrender to me Sharanakati. and I shall deliver you from all reactions do not fear in the yoga sutras samadhi-siddhir-ishwara-pranitana the perfection of Samadhi is this Ishwara Pranitanat, Sharanagati, surrendering our hearts, surrendering our egos. I was just with Parampuja in his beautiful bhajan kutir, and he brought me before a painting of Krishna playing his flute. And in the mood of a Brijabasi of Brindavan, Muniji said, this is Kanaya. That's an intimate name of Krishna. And I was remembering, because Krishna was there playing on a flute. The flute is hollow. If a flute is filled with anything, no air could get through and no music. If we... Are hollow, that for in bhakti, this emptiness, this nothingness, doesn't mean we don't exist. It means no more material desires, no more false ego, no no more desire to be the proprietor, the controller, or the enjoyer. But the surrender of our body, mind, words, life when we empty ourselves of that selfishness, then Krishna can use us like His flute, where we could be an instrument of His grace and of His compassion within this world, and attract the hearts of so many to that spirit of Hanuman, to that spirit of Trivah. And in this age of Kali, Even though this age, as we have seen in this beautiful drama, is so full of obstacles, exploitation, abuse, spiritual laziness, Simply by chanting God's names we can attain the supreme perfection of liberation. It is a great benediction. Param Vijayate Sri Krishna Sankirtana Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu prayed Nitya Siddha Krishna Prema Sadya Kabu Noy Saravanati Suti Chiti Kodi This love, this love that the heart yearns for, and longs for, can be fully realized and experienced through associating with saintly people and sincerely meditating upon and chanting God's holy names. And now we have Vyaski and Kishori and what is your name? Anandra Devi. I'm sorry, I'm. They will now lead us in the chanting of the holy names. Kirtan. I thank you very, very much.